Revised International Version. It's quite um, interesting what it says. Oh, let me read it to you, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. This is, now, this is sorry, how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary and Joseph, you notice how he doesn't say father because Joseph wasn't his natural father, even though he did, he did then father him as he grew up. His mother Mary and Joseph had promised to get married, but before they started to live together, it became clear that she was going to have a baby. In other words, before they got married, she became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph was a godly man. He did not want to put her to shame in public, so he planned to divorce her quietly. So engagement in Jewish culture was basically nearly like you were married. So that's why they used the terminology divorce her quietly. And once again, you can appreciate Joseph was in a dilemma. He had a, he had a uh, fiance that's pregnant and it wasn't his doing, of course. And so he's wondering, Holy Spirit, yeah, sure. <laughs> but he was a he, he, he was possibly have an element of confusion as any man would. Now, verse 20, as Joseph was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he's trying to work it out. Praise God for angels and dreams. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. The baby inside her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son. You must give him the name Jesus. That is because he will save his people from their sins. All of this, verse 22, all of this took place to bring about what the Lord had said uh, would happen. He had said through the prophet, the virgin is going to have a baby. She'll give birth to a son and he would be called Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. So Joseph woke up. He did what? Is that me? Probably. Sorry. Think so. I'll just remain calm. Don't get overexcited. <laughs> Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do, and he told Mary. Sorry, he took Mary as his wife, but he did not make love to her until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph gave him the name. What is it? Jesus. What a wonderful name. Um, this is a unique story. There's no other person in history that has this story of their birth. In actual fact, if you was reading this story for the first time, you'd probably think this is quite strange and weird when you think about it, because the reality is uh, Mary became pregnant not by any conventional means. It says by the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. And if that isn't enough, um, the angel steps into the story and informs Joseph um, that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, he informs Joseph... Um, that this is going to be a male child, and he actually gives the name to him. He says, call him Jesus. And if that isn't strange enough, um, though his name is Jesus, um, people call him Emmanuel, um, you know, which means God with us. How would you be getting a birth name, but everybody calls you something else? Some, some of you have got that. It's called a nickname, but this was no nickname for Jesus. This was literally who he was, God with us, which is a pretty powerful name. So you could call these strange events and you could call them weird events, but there's some very good reason for these events that unfolded that particular first Christmas in Bethlehem. Because the events that surrounded his birth, I'd prefer personally to call them unique. And you know why they were unique? Because uh, the reality was that they were exceptional circumstances, exceptional. 
No one in history has ever been born, uh, uh, claimed to have been born um, by the Holy Spirit or some other means besides the normal conventional way. Um, and not only that, it's exclusive um, in history. As I said, no one has the story like Jesus has the story of his birth. And you know what? We still have um, quite unique things that happen around Jesus today. You know, it's interesting if you think about it. Jesus Christ is the only uh, so-called um, um, prophet, I suppose, in the past. Of course, he was more than a prophet. He was the son of God. But who, his name is used as a swear word. Isn't it interesting? You never go, oh, Buddha, when you hit your finger with a hammer, do you? In actual fact, none of us hopefully do it. But the truth is, it, it, the birth of Christ was not only celebrated, but we see that the birth of Christ was also uh, victimized, and it was, uh, there were situations, and there was, a, uh, unfortunately, an enemy of our soul called the devil who just didn't want it to happen. And so today, we still see that name, Jesus, is used properly, but misused as well. And interesting, uh, why? Why would, that, why would Jesus be so unique? Why was his birth so unique? Why was it maybe in some people's eyes just weird and strange? Well, that's a good question because I want to answer that question today for you. And I want us to look at it uh, from a couple of perspectives and a couple of viewpoints. And, be, and to answer uh, why the birth of Christ or why Jesus himself is incredibly unique. Um, and so that we can understand uh, today about Jesus Christ. The first thing I'd like to say is from Matthew chapter 1, 22 and 23. We see that the words that he will be born to a virgin was mentioned in this passage. Um, but we see that his coming was pre-announced like no one else in history. His, his birth was pre-announced. And as we see, there's a verse there that's in brackets. Um, it should be somewhere there, Isaiah 7:14. If I just turn there, you'll see something that says, The prophet Isaiah uh, mentioned this, pre-announced the birth of Christ. Hundreds of years beforehand. And this is what he said. The Lord himself will give you a miraculous sign. The virgin is going to, um, uh, where are we? The virgin is going to have a baby. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. Exactly what Matthew wrote in his first chapter of his book. He just copied it from Isaiah's manuscripts. And he said, this is what was pre-announced. Isn't it interesting? Israel wrote hundreds of years about the fact that there would be a virgin gives birth to a child. Uh, that's not every common day event. Here's another verse, a little book in the Old Testament called Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Please appreciate the fact that that was pre-announced some 700 years, Micah said that, 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good pre-announcement, isn't it? Sometimes we, you know, Jesus wasn't just pre-announced nine months before, like every birth. Well, generally, we all like to eventually, as husband and wife, get to the point where we're able to tell our friends no, it wasn't like that. This was 700 years before. 700 years before Christ was born. History is full of people who make claims that they have a message from God or they are God. Buddha was one of those. Muhammad was another. Confucius was another. Krishna was another. And of course, there is Jesus. Jesus himself. 
So how can we determine the truth between someone who makes claims about his life? How can we tell, how can we put a test to it this morning and say, well, why is Jesus different to Buddha and Muhammad and all these other uh, worldly prophets or the men who lived? Well, reason says that if, the, if these people were truly from God, uh, the least they've got to do is pre-proclaim their arrival. That would be a great thing, pre-proclaim their arrival. And the reason it is reasonable is because making a claim about something and seeing that claim come to pass makes the claim worthy to be trusted. Would you agree? Um, but it stands to reason if someone makes a claim about something years or even hundreds of years before, and yet that claim doesn't come to pass, would you agree you probably couldn't trust that claim? Pretty simple logic, isn't it? There's nothing difficult about that. In actual fact, companies in this world today use that strategy. Apple uses that strategy. When they want to, uh, they've put out a new phone or they've constructed a new iPhone, what do they do? Up to 12 months before, they'll pre-proclaim it. So that when the day of, uh, of release comes for that phone to be released, hundreds of people stand outside Apple stores wanting to be the first to get in there to buy the, the new phone. Isn't that true? There's an expectation. That's what Apple do, marketing strategy to get people to buy their phone. God had a marketing strategy. He pre-proclaimed Christ literally hundreds of years before. There was a continual expectation of a, a Jewish Savior coming uh, for the world. Wonderful. So we see God even um, went a little bit further. Not only did he pre-proclaim his birth, he, he, he shared what his message would be, he, the friends he would make in the disciples and the people, he would, what he would stand for, and even the type of death that he would die. All these things were prophesied or proclaimed before he ever arrived on the earth. And if God didn't do that, then it's reasonable to realize that any imposter could appear and say, I'm from God. But God kind of sealed the deal with all, all, these, um, all these prophecies about the future and what Jesus would be like and what he was about and what he would do. So Muhammad actually says something about himself. He says, well, there's an angel appeared to me in the desert and told me a message and I wrote it down and there we have the Quran. Do you know there was no pre-proclamation about Muhammad and that, that what he, he so, you know, so well supposed to have had happened to him? There was no pre-proclamation at all. Um, so did, did Muhammad write the Quran? Of course he did. Um, no prior reference in any of history. No prior reference even in historical documents about that. And we see people like Buddha and Muhammad and Krishna there's no pre-announcement of their arrival, but there is about Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling you, most of you today, something you know already, but you know, it simply is a powerful testimony to the, the wonderful concept of, in the birth of Christ, this whole point. Jesus was different. He was different. And do you know that there's other manuscripts? Let's look at another verse in the Bible. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Uh, sorry, uh, I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Moses wrote that thousands of years before the birth of Christ. Thousands of years before the birth. Um, and it says a star will appear that will foretell, foretell about a great ruler. 
What happened at the birth of Christ? We know there was a star in the east came forth, and it was basically heralding the birth of Christ. And the wise men followed that star to Bethlehem that, that night, of course. Do you know there's not only the Bible accounts of prophecy of Jesus, but quite literally there is other historical document, documents. Hundreds and hundreds of other men and women wrote about the birth of Christ that aren't in the Bible. They're just documents out there. Do you know there was a guy called Tacius? And in 58 AD, that means 58 years after Christ was born, um, Tacius was a Roman historian, and he wrote this. People were generally persuaded in the faith of the ancient prophecies that the East was to prevail and that from Judea was to come the master and ruler of the worlds. Now, Tacius, for him to write that down and proclaim that, he was on dangerous grounds. His part, if you remember the birth of Christ, the Roman Empire was at its peak of rulership. I mean, it was the ruling nation of the day. And anybody who said anything against the rulers, and let alone that there would come a ruler from another nation um, and start to rule the world, I mean, you could lose your head for that. Tacius wrote it down. He proclaimed it. A Roman himself. Plato, 400 years before Christ. Socrates, 500 years before Christ. Both spoke of a universal king who was yet to come. Folks, I want to tell you, we, our faith is not based upon some flimsy belief system or mythology today. It's based upon whole, cold, hard truth and facts of a historical man who came upon the earth in an incredible way, unique way, was born, and he came into this earth and done incredible things. I tell you, no one else in the world can proclaim that same truth about their belief in their particular person like we can about Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It's wonderful. I want to tell you what it does for me in my faith this morning. It strengthens my faith. And you know why it strengthens my faith, that, that the prophecy about Christ? is because um, the truth is, is if my God can pre-proclaim and look after the birth of his son literally thousands of years before and then make it happen exactly how he knows it should happen, my goodness, in all the un uncertainties that I face, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, certainly as I trust in him, that he could look after me. I reckon that's an incredible God. As I put my trust in him, of course, as I put my trust in him. Uh, I get myself into enough trouble, but if I put my trust in Jesus, I know that he can help be my help and support. And I'm thankful for that because we live in an uncertain world. What's going to happen in 2018? I tell you, in the last week, History, unfortunately, has been changed forever in this country. We're a different nation today than we were three days ago because law has been passed, of course, and you are aware of that. And so there's an uncertainty in that. There's an uncertainty about the future. But you know what? There's a, I have not got an inch of concern or fear about it because I know that I can trust in a God who, if he can put the, into place the birth of his son and work that through so well, I tell you what, he can look after little old me. And that's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we have. So it builds to know that Jesus, what they said about him thousands and hundreds of years before, actually came to pass, puts a faith in my heart that is strengthened today because I know that I serve a God that we can trust. And you know what? Today, that might mean a lot to you. But you know, when you're walking through the valley sometimes, let's remember that reality, that as we trust in our God, he's got it. He's got it.
As we trust our God, He's there. He's, he's for us and not against us. As we put our trust in Him and live for Him. I'm thankful for that. So here's the second unique thing about Christ today, about the birth of Jesus. And this is something, again, that many of us are aware, but let me expound it, put some more truth around it. Jesus' birth split, uh, um, sorry, Jesus' birth split time in two. Okay, we have a thing called BC, AD. BC meaning before Jesus' birth, before Christ. AD is Latin for um, in the year of my Lord. And uh, the truth is, I was born in 1963. You were all born. You have a birth year. Do you know what 1963 means? 1963 is 1,963 years before Christ. After, After Christ. <laughs> You're old. Just seeing if you're awake. Wouldn't like to think you've fallen asleep right there. That would truly be a miracle. So after Christ, I've been 1,600. So here's the point. Jesus is actually the focal point of time. Whether you want to, people in the world confess that or not, it's a reality. It's a reality, isn't it? B.C., A.D. It's, he's the focal point of time. He, 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 he split everything is history. You know, everything from here back is history, of course. But the reality is that Christ split time. And it says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5, and we'll put that verse up, it says, And when the fullness of time had come, notice what it says, And the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. It says in the fullness of time. Do you know what the fullness, the word fullness literally means? Ripe. When everything was just ready, when everything was ripe, um, when everything was ready to be picked, it was that right time. Do you know how important it is to pick fruit when it's ripe? It's really important because it's going it's to determine whether that fruit is sweet or sour or whatever it may be. You've got to pick it at the right time. You know, Christ came forth at the right time in the history of the world. And at that time... Uh, the Jewish nation had been somewhat more established now. They'd come back together in somewhat. They're living basically over the area around the Lake of Galilee and Judea. Uh, the Roman Empire was at its peak, and Jesus came. And for the Jewish people, it was a very dark time. They were under a Roman, um, you know, um, under Roman rule. And so Jesus came at the right time, not just for the Jewish people, but for the Gentile people, which are you and me this morning, unless you're Jew. Uh, he came for all of us right at the right time. Isn't that true? That, you know, I, I want to say that your salvation and the time that Jesus came through and you received Jesus in your life was the right time. Maybe, you know, it was just at the, some, for some of us, it's the right, our confession is, our testimony is, it was just at the right time before that, that problem unfolded or before I went any lower or before that struggle, whatever it may be, but just the right time. Your life is not just a... a, a um, a mistake, folks. Your life isn't just some um, random person out there, and you know, and you weren't you weren't created by some random process. God brought you forth at the right time. You're chosen. You are His vessel, and I'm thankful that Jesus came at the right time. Everything was building and building and building until Jesus was finally born. And everybody's relationship with God at that moment had opportunity to be changed forever at His birth. Instead of trying to get right with God uh, and appease God, now Jesus made a way through his life for us to be right with God. 
um, and accepted by God forevermore. And it wasn't just what we do that made us right with God. It's what he's already done or what he did that, of course, on our behalf that makes us right with God. Um, we have a response to God's claims upon our life. He claims that, he, that we can be his children. We can be forgiven. We can have been shown mercy. We have to, of course, accept that, as was said this morning already. Uh, but there is a need to come to him and repent and turn from our wicked ways and turn to Christ, isn't there? There's a response in our heart. But for, for the truth is, that's our little part, but Jesus basically done it. He made a way. He's the door. He's the gate. He's whatever you want to call him, but he's a way for us to come to God. And it was all at that moment when Christ was born that that process started. What a change it brought in history. We talked about this last week, our laws being changed. I'll tell you, something even greater than that was when Christ was born. History, life, the world was changed forevermore at that moment. It's very interesting that, you know, 32% of the people in the world today believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 32%. Over 7 billion people exist on the planet Earth now. And it's interesting, 32% of them, um, I say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's interesting because Jesus, who was born in the back blocks of Judea, who died at 33, uh, never wrote a book, never traveled more than 160 kilometers from his birthplace. Um, so many things he didn't do. He, he didn't do all the things. He, 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 never ha he never done a lot of things that actually... You know, he wasn't in it for career. <laughs> it wasn't a big career move in the things that Jesus done. But it's amazing. 2,000 years later, out of all the things that he did do, the little things he did do, in that isolated area of the Middle East, 32% of the world's population now believe in him. There must be something in this Christian faith, wouldn't you agree? There's, and it's not just um, mythology. It's a reality. So we can't deny the impact that Jesus had on the world. And every time we share our birth date, every time we have a birthday, we're acknowledging the birth of Jesus. And uh, today, whether you acknowledge him or not, your birth date is a testimony to his existence. Your birth date, your birth year is a testimony to his existence. So I think that's exciting. The third thing and last thing I want to share this morning about Jesus, the unique thing about the birth of Jesus is because he lived his life backwards. You've got to understand that he lived his life backwards. He didn't walk around backwards or anything. What I'm saying was this. Revelation 13, 8 says, last verse for today. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Can you understand that verse? Even before the world was created, Jesus had agreed he would be slain as a sacrifice for sin. So he's there with his father even before creation he agreed with his father, we've got a plan. The plan is that one day you'll go to earth and you'll be born through a virgin called Mary and you'll live for 33 years, you'll die. You'll substitute your life for the people's life so they can, have, they can have redemption, they can know God, they can come to God. It's going to be your life. You're going to die for that because the truth is you, you know, they've been used to this sacrificial system called the lamb. Thanks, Kate. I just thought heaven had opened up right then. It was just music. Hey, just sneak up there. So, you know, Jewish culture, of course, Old Testament was that sin was covered for by the sacrifice of an animal. Often it was a lamb. Jesus comes along once and for all. No more, you know, sacrificial lambs or animals. Let's Jesus, 
one sacrifice for all time, Jesus. One sacrifice for all time. In the, the words of, um, who's the speaker who says that all the time? Don't worry about it. Um, so we see that Jesus Christ, before he came into being, knew what his destiny was. So he lived life backwards in a sense. He knew that he was going to die, but he had to be born before he could die. The cross cast enormous shadow over the manger. You know what the manger is? That's the place where they laid him after he was born as a baby. And the cross cast an enormous shadow over that, not in a bad way, a good way, because his future was destined in you. Have you ever thought about the cross? There's no, and if there, was, if there was no cross, there's no reason for a manger. And in fact, if he was never going to die for humanity, there would never have been a reason for his birth. So when we celebrate his birth, let's realize there's a shadow, in a sense, of his death over the whole story. His death was not an interruption to his career. Jesus wasn't on a career path climbing the corporate ladder. The only ladder he was going to climb was into heaven one day, but his whole life was moving towards that death on that hill outside Jerusalem, that fateful day of course when he was crucified um, it wasn't a terrible end folks it was a glorious finish when he died on the cross it was a glorious finish and Jesus didn't come to teach about sacrifice he came to be the sacrifice that's what he came and you know have you ever given some thought to that first verse we read in Matthew chapter 1 uh, Matthew said she will give birth to a son you to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I wonder if Mary and all the people ever thought about that. What did that really meant to save his people from their sins? It meant his death, didn't it? His death and thankfully his resurrection. And so from the moment Jesus was called Jesus, his death was part of his life. Um, it was part of who he was. And if you can understand Jesus' death, you can understand. Um, if, sorry, if you can't understand his death, you'll never understand his birth. You'll never be understand, and you will see his birth as just weird and strange if you can't understand the reality of what he was doing in his death. Um, because his death is, uh, was connected way back to his birth. And if there, was no, if there was no understanding of death, why would there ever be a birth? I want to tell you it was unique. But if you understand why he died, you'll understand why he was born. Incredible. Think about it. When you look at his, um, many times, uh, the strange events following his birth make sense when you see that he was destined to die because Jesus was called the bread of life. Wasn't it appropriate that the bread of life be placed in a feed trough? <laughs> Isn't it, Jesus was buried in a stranger's tomb. Wasn't it appropriate that he was born in a stranger's stable? Um, when Jesus um, died, the sky went fully dark. If you remember on the cross, it went dark. When Jesus was born, the dark sky went fully light. As angels shone up and the, and the star from the east came to shine brightly on Bethlehem. There, there, there's, there's just continual hints and, 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 and points here, isn't there? He lived his life backwards because the cross overshadows the manger. He knew what was happening. And you and I live our lives today from the known 
to the unknown. I know what's happening right now, but I'm not quite sure what's going to happen this afternoon or tomorrow or next week or next year. I don't know. I live from the known to the unknown. Jesus Christ lives from the known to the known when he lived on this earth. He knew what was happening now. He knew what was going to happen next week. He knew what was going to happen when he was 33 and nailed to a cross. He knew. I love that thought. He, was, he knew he was born and he knew about his death. That makes him an incredibly unique and makes him the saviour of you and me this morning. So to, today we're going to close. And uh, we're going to just, uh, uh, in a moment, just sing this beautiful little song again. But I wonder if today you're sitting here and you, maybe for the very first time, have heard something of the reality of Jesus and say, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be a part of. Well, I wonder if we could stand today with me as we close this service. And um, like last week, I want to ask the same question again. Are you here today and you need to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes to him. I want to give you an opportunity. It's, it's not difficult. It's just saying, well, like, yeah, yeah, I believe in him. It's a journey that you begin. And so the journey can, can, be, can begin today for you by saying yes to Jesus. And what I'd love you to do in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And if that's you, and you take a moment to consider everything and what has been said, and you say yes to Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand, and I'll see that hand, you can put it down. So let's do that right now. Let's just close our eyes. Anybody today wants to just say yes to Christ? Maybe you're here today and you need to say yes again. Thank you. I just see those hands. That's wonderful. You can put them down. Thank you. Anybody else? That's a wonderful decision. Anybody else here today? I want to just pray for you as, you, as we stand where we are today. Anybody else? Forgive me if I've missed anybody. Raise your hand. I've seen a couple, but anybody else today? Thank you. Thank you today. I'll just wait a couple more moments. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anybody else today? Okay. For the sake of those four people, how about today we just pray prayers of church? And you say, oh, again, folks, it's most, one of the most exciting moments in history when people respond to Jesus Christ. It's the start of a wonderful journey of discovery in the things of God. So how about we pray this prayer? It's a prayer that I'm going to ask you to repeat after me because um, it's the simplest way, I suppose, but make it your own prayer from your own heart. And from that moment, uh, God wants to come into your life and start to help you and support you. So let's pray this. Pray it together, particularly those four who lifted their hands. You pray it out. We're going to pray it out loud all together, so um, it makes it pretty easy, really. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I thank you that you receive me. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the door to God. You made a way through your death, and then you're rising again. You took my sin. I thank you for that, and I confess my sin. And ask for your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Right now, please accept me as your child as I receive you 
as my Savior and my Lord. Help me, Lord, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just pray for those four particular people today. Some are coming back to you. Some are just for the first time this morning. It just, I thank you. We rejoice together in that. We are thankful, Lord, because, Father, for that to happen, uh, Lord, it means a heart has been changed. It's been drawn towards yourself. Father, today, strengthen those ones who have responded. Uh, Lord, that they would truly, truly uh, know. Uh, Lord, the, just the, the, the things that you would have for them and know your peace and your joy and your strength in their lives. Holy Spirit, go and minister that to them right now, we ask. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. How about we just sing a song this morning to close? I think the team have got back up here now. Thank you. Come on, let's just for a moment.